0: Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. and Welcome out to the Medina East Campus here this morning. We are so, so, so glad to see you here. Thanks for being with us here today. And uh, we're really, really pumped this weekend as we are beginning a brand new series that we are calling Teach Us to Pray. And uh, so it's a brand new year. Uh, Excited about 2017, and it's a brand new series to go with that brand new year. And we thought, man, what better way to start the year than to really spend some time and just over the next several weeks to really focus on this topic, uh, the topic of prayer, which is what we're going to be uh, doing here together. Let me just say as well, before we kind of jump in, kind of like Sarah Beth mentioned just a moment ago, uh, if you are a guest with us here today, if this is your first time here at Grace Church at the Medina East Campus, let me just extend a very, very, very special welcome to you. Uh, We count it an absolute honor that you would come and spend some time with us. And I do want to say that if, if this is your first time here this morning, you really came at an awesome time. Uh, we oftentimes say that the, the best opportunity to get connected to Grace Church is uh, at the beginning of a series. And so when you're, when you're jumping in here, uh, this is sort of you're kind of catching us at the beginning of a conversation that we're going to be in for the next several weeks. And so if you're investigating Grace Church, if you're trying to figure out, is this the place for me? What's this church all about? I think this is an awesome time for you to be here. And I would encourage you, if you get a chance to, to maybe lock in for the duration of this series uh, that we're in together, just so you can hear kind of the whole conversation and get to know us, and we would love to get to know you um, as well. As you can tell, uh, the title of this series is Teach Us to Pray, and so it's pretty obvious that what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks is this topic of prayer. And in particular, uh, what we're going to be really focusing on is is our hope is that through this series that we can actually learn to pray, Uh, that that, that, hence the name Teach Us to to Pray. We want to learn um, how to, to pray. And I know that when, when, I, when I say that, when I say, hey, we're gonna be doing a series on prayer, we're gonna be talking about how to learn to pray, I know that comes as no surprise to any of us, right? Because uh, here we are, uh, we are a religious organization, we're a church, and so it seems like it's pretty typical for us to address a topic like prayer. Like, I don't think anyone's surprised that we're talking about prayer in a church. It seems pretty par for the course. It seems like kind of a stereotypical thing for a church to talk about. But I would say that as standard as that might seem, now that we are a church that's talking about prayer, as basic as that might seem, that this series and that this conversation is so incredibly, incredibly important and is so incredibly, incredibly relevant. And here's why. My guess is that if you are like most people, um, then the chances are good that you probably struggle in prayer. You probably struggle with prayer or struggle in prayer or one way, uh, in one way or the other. I, I would say that if you're a person that does not struggle to pray or struggle in prayer or struggle with prayer in any way, you're actually part of the minority. I think that the majority of us, and myself included, if we we're really honest, we would say that we have some issues. We have some struggles as it relates to prayer. In fact, I was just thinking about this this uh, past week. And I was actually just recounting the past 10 years that I've been in ministry, and I was thinking about all the common issues that I have heard, kind of the common, typical issues that I have heard and that I myself have experienced as it relates to prayer. And I thought that maybe, just as a way as we kind of kick into this, I thought maybe we could just look at three of the common issues I think that many people face as it relates to prayer. And my guess is you can probably relate with some of these. Let me just mention a few. Here's the first one. The first common issue as it relates to prayer is is just simply this. I think for some of us, we we don't understand it. Uh, For some of us, the reason we struggle in prayer or we struggle to pray is just quite honestly because we don't really understand it. And so maybe you're a person, maybe you're you're a person right now, you're a Christ follower— Uh, You follow Jesus, you would call yourself a Christian, and I know, by the way, I don't presume for a moment that everyone in this room is in that category. Uh, Some of you might still be investigating Jesus and trying to figure that out. And by the way, if that's you, we, we count it a privilege that you would let us be part of that investigation. But for some of us, I think we'd say, yeah, you know, I'm a Christian, and I believe in Jesus, and I believe in prayer, and I believe all that stuff. But quite honestly, the reason I struggle with it is because, really, there's a lot of confusion about it. I mean, I'm not really sure if I'm doing it right, and I'm not sure if I'm saying the right things, and, and I, don't, you know, I never really had a good model of anyone who, who's been you know, a good prayer around me, and so I have all kinds of questions about prayer, and of course, there's all these big confusing issues, right? Like, how about this one? Any of you guys, any of you guys ever heard of this thought before where you think to yourself, well, man, if God already knows everything, right? If God already has ordained everything from the beginning to the end, and if there's this whole like predestination thing, if that's like a deal, and if God already knows my heart, and he already knows what I want, and he already knows what I need, then, like, why pray? Like, why would I ask him for those things? And I think for some of us, quite honestly, the reason we might struggle in prayer is just quite simply because we're confused. We don't know how to do, We're like, I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, and I'm not really sure how it all works. And so, uh, because of that, for some of us, we struggle to engage in prayer. Here's a second uh, kind of common issue as it relates to prayer. Maybe you can relate to this. I think it's similar to the first one as this. For some of us, I think, quite honestly, we just don't see the need for it. Uh, if we were, if we we're being honest, we would just say, I'm not really sure I see the practical use in praying. And yeah, 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 I mean, I know that the, you know, the Bible says I should pray, and then you know, Jesus says I should pray, and the church, you know we're constantly talking about prayer and those type of things. And I've read statistics about how prayer can be therapeutic, and it can lower your stress levels, and all that kind of stuff. But quite honestly, if it was between taking some time to pray and actually exerting effort to accomplish something... I'm always going to choose this over this, right? I don't really see the practical use in prayer, and so I'd rather roll up my sleeves and actually do something about it, and I'm not necessarily sure I see the practical use in prayer. And I think for some of us, we we might feel this way about prayer. You can actually hear it sometimes in the way we talk, can't you? So so do you ever hear, hear yourself or catch yourself or catch someone saying something like this where you say, well, man, I tell you, I tried everything I know how to do. I've exhausted every, every effort, every resource that I have to try to accomplish whatever it was. And so I guess now there's nothing left to do. So I guess the only thing I can do is what? Let's pray. The only thing left for me to do is I can just kind of pray. Do you hear what we're actually saying when we say that? Here's what we're saying. We're saying that for us, prayer prayer is a last resort. It's not a first response. It's never our first. It's a last, it's a last resort effort. It's kind of like the Hail Mary pass. It's like, well, this is all I have. And so, geez, I don't know. It's a long shot, but maybe, you know, and, and man, I guess there's nothing left to do. So God, please help me on this test. Or God, please let her pick up the phone. Or God, please let him not pick up the phone or whatever it might be. And it's like, that's kind of, you know, I love the way that uh, Corey Ten Boom said it. She said it this way. She said, for most of us, prayer is more like a spare tire than the steering wheel right? And I think that's a really accurate way to put that. For some of us, prayer is just that emergency resource. It's like, yeah, it's there, but like only if I'm like, you know, stuck on the side of the road and I'm out of options, then I'll get the spare tire out. But it's definitely not part of my kind of regular routine. And so for some of us, I think one of our issues with prayer is we don't always see the practical use in it. Here's the third common issue, I think, as it relates to prayer. And this one, I think if some of us, if we are being brutally honest, brutally honest, I think we might say that this might be the real issue that some of us have with prayer. And that's this. I think for some of us, honestly, we just don't believe it. We, we, we're suspicious about the effectiveness and about the reality of prayer in itself. And I think uh, this is actually something I think that for whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, I think this is something that, that both sides might struggle with. And so, for example, you might be a person that says, man, you know, I just don't, I just not sure I believe in it. Because it seems like sometimes I pray for something, and it seems as if God answers that prayer. But then you see there's other times when I pray for things, and it seems like God is just absolutely silent when I pray to him. There's times when I I, I don't pray for something that I know I should pray for, or I forget to pray for something that I know I ought to pray for, and then the thing that I should have prayed for happens anyway. And so I'm like, is this whole thing a fluke? And why is it that sometimes it seems like when when someone prays a trivial prayer, God, help me find a parking spot. God, you know, let it not rain today or whatever. Sometimes God answers those prayers. But when it comes to like the big things, God, help my, you know, my, my, my relative who's suffering of an illness. Or God, sometimes God is just strangely silent as it relates to those things. And I think because of that, sometimes it can create suspicion in our hearts of whether or not this thing is actually real, whether or not it actually works. And so we struggle to believe it. And I think all of those reasons, and there's probably a lot more, but I think all of those reasons are are reasons sometimes we struggle with prayer. Now, here's the thing. If you're a person that would say that you identify with one or any of those issues with prayer, then I would say that means two things. First off, it means this. It means you're normal. Um, Like I said, the majority of people Wrestle and struggle with this, with this whole topic of prayer, have issues with prayer. However, I think what it also points us to, if, if, if you struggle or you identify with any of those, the, those considerations that we put up, I would say what that also does is, is it points to the reality that it might be very well possible that we might be missing something on this whole topic of prayer, that we might be misunderstanding something about prayer in and of itself. I actually would go as far to say this, and for some of you, this statement is going to rub you the wrong way, um, but I want to try to explain myself throughout the rest of the the course of today's conversation. But I believe that if if you wrestle with any of those issues that we mentioned or you struggle in prayer, that it's very, very, very possible that we might be doing it wrong that we might be going about prayer wrong. See, because here's what I believe. And again, this might rub you the wrong way, but again, i want to spend the rest of our time kind of unpacking this. I think that it is absolutely possible that you may have even grown up in the church and you may have actually grown up praying. And it's very possible that you and I, that we might be doing it all wrong. We might be approaching it wrong. We might be understanding it wrong. And like I said, for some of you, you're like, "Well, well, hold on, that rubs me the wrong way. Because for some of us, we're like, well, that's not what I've been taught. See, I've been taught that there's no wrong way to pray, and prayer is just talking to God. And so you can just come to him and, and, and say whatever you want, and, and your prayer is good. Whatever you pray is good for you, and whatever I pray is good for me, and there is no such thing as wrong prayer. And listen, I would just say that that sounds really nice, but that is not biblical at all. And, and what am I talking about? Well, I want to show you today what I mean. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to grab them. And as we introduce this series and we kind of start digging into this topic of prayer, um, I want to start in a key passage of scripture that's really going to set up the rest of this series. Okay, so today is an introduction for the rest of the series, but this passage is really going to pave the way and tell us uh, kind of where we're going. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and get them. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. That's where we're going to be heading this morning is Luke chapter 11. And so I would really encourage you to get a Bible and get that in front of you because we're only going to be going to this really, really this one passage today. And so if you want to get that in front of you, that'd be awesome. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, that is not a problem. At all, we actually have some Bibles for you out there. Those black Bibles um, in the chairs in front of you, page seven twenty-five. And those Bibles, you can turn in there. Of course, you're also free to use your smartphone or your tablet if you have a Bible app. You can do that. Just close out Facebook, close out you know whatever you're, whatever else you're doing, and then open that up, and we'll get to uh, Luke chapter eleven. Also, let me just say that if you um, do not own a copy of God's Word, if you just don't have one yourself, we would love for you to take one of ours. We think it's so important that you have a copy of the Bible. And so you can write your name in that, start reading that, Uh, we'd encourage you to do that. Okay, Luke 11, here's what we're gonna do. Here's kind of our attack plan this morning. Uh, We're gonna look at the first four verses together and then after we read, just just four verses, that's it. After we read the first four verses of of Luke chapter 11, uh, I will pray for us and then we'll go back and we'll, we'll kind of talk about those verses, okay? Sound good? All right, let's do it. Luke 11, start in verse one. One day, Jesus was praying to, in a certain place, And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so he said to them, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation." Why don't we pray together, and then we'll go through these verses and see what God has for us. Let's do that. Well, Lord, I just, uh, I want to say thank you for um, the opportunity that we have to gather here this morning. And uh, man, Jesus, I, I know that we're not here just to, to do some religious thing. That's not what this is. This isn't just an a, a, a organized religious meeting that we're gathering together to do out of a sense of duty or obligation. But God, we're here to meet with you. And we want to have a fresh interaction and a fresh encounter with you. And we're here to hear from you. And so, God, I pray that as we look at these words that you've given us in Luke chapter 11, that that you would give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear, uh, which you might have for us. And and so, Father, I do also just want to pray. I pray for myself. I ask that in these next moments uh, that you would make me useful for the sake of your people. And, and God, I pray that, uh, that my words would be invisible so that we could hear from you, because that's what we want. We want to hear from you. And so we ask these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, uh, I actually remember uh, the first time I rode a jet ski um, if you guys are anything like me, I am the kind of person, I love all things motorsports, always have. And so four-wheelers, dirt bikes, motorcycles, if it has an engine and you can sit on it, I pretty much like it, right? And so you can imagine uh, how excited I was when I was a college student, and I found out that there was an opportunity to go on this retreat with a, with a college ministry I was part of uh, down to the Ohio River where they had some jet skis available for us. So I was so pumped because I would never ridden a jet ski before. So I went down with this group, like I said, it was, a, it was a college ministry and I was in college and there was probably about 25 of us and we went down to, well, there was a, a, I guess someone who owned a lake house uh, on the Ohio River, I guess it'd be considered a river house there and so they had, they had all these water sports activities, right? And so they had a water trampoline and they had a, a couple different diving boards and some fun stuff and among all of that, they also had these two jet skis that were available for anyone to ride. So I was super, super excited. So you can imagine uh, when we got there that at the very first opportunity I had, I went straight to the jet skis because I was like, I cannot wait to do this. And so the guy that was kind of uh, organizing the event, he got the jet skis out for us. We fueled them up and we kind of got them in the water. He gave me kind of a quick crash course on here's what you got to do. You know, here's the throttle. Here's how you put it in reverse, all kinds of stuff, real simple. And so I got on the jet ski, my first time on this jet ski, and I was real excited. And I, I did what I think probably most guys would do if you jump on a jet ski. I was like, let's see what this baby can do. And so I just punched the throttle as hard as I could. I mean, I'm just like, let's see how fast I can go. And I got this thing up to top speed, and I just remember I went in a straight line, Across the Ohio River, just a straight line across the Ohio River. And when I got to the other side, I stopped and I was like, okay. And I turned around and I just went right back to where I started again. And then once I got there, I said, all right. And I turned back around, punched the throttle as fast as I could, went back to the other side. I said, okay, turned around. Went back, and, did, and after doing this about three or four times, just a straight line back and forth across the river, I remember this thought went through my mind. I remember thinking, this is actually kind of boring. I was like, this isn't all that great, and, and I love motorsports, and I love that kind of stuff, but this is kind of lame, and so after doing this a few times, I was like, you know, I think I'm done, and so I started to take the jet ski back to the dock, and I remember on my way in, my one buddy was like, he's like, what, you're done already? And I was like, yeah, you know, that was, it was fun. I, I had a good time. Thanks for letting me ride it. That was really awesome, I appreciate it, but I think I'm I'm done, I was completely dry, didn't have a drop of water on me, you know, so we put the jet ski up, and and a couple of the other people that were on this trip, they took turns, and they did the exact same thing I did, they got on, and they would ride in a straight line across the river, and a straight line back, and after about a half an hour of us doing this, um, we just all kind of got bored, and we moved on and we said, let's do something different. And so we moved on to the other water sports that we thought were maybe a little bit more exhilarating. Until there was this one guy that was on the trip with us. And, and this guy was a guy who grew up in Florida. And apparently he grew up around jet skis. So he grew up, his parents had jet skis and all of that. And so he came out and he's like, I remember he looked at the jet skis and he was like, is anyone riding these? And, and we were like, no, nah, you know, I think we're, we're pretty good. I think we're all set. And, you know, I think we're fine on that. And he's like, well, geez, he's like, do you mind if I ride him? And we're like, well, that's what they're there for. And this guy got on this jet ski and he proceeded to ride this thing in a way that I had only seen in movies, like action movies, right? I mean, this guy gets this thing out and rather than going back and forth like we did in a straight line, this dude proceeds to just, I mean, cut this thing up. I mean, he is just shredding this thing. He goes out there. He's like, he's like submerging the front end. And he's like doing these massive donuts, fishtailing the thing, making these gigantic waves, right? This guy's getting his whole body involved. He's standing up. He's pushing it down. He's leaning to the side. He's doing all this kind of stuff. He's making these big waves, and then he's riding through them, and he's jumping them. And I'm watching all this, and I just remember watching from the side, and I remember thinking to myself, this looks very different than what I just did. And so he's doing this whole thing, and I remember after about 15 minutes of him just shredding it out there. I mean, it's like he was having a blast. I remember he comes in, and he is just dripping wet, drenched head to toe. The, 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 The actual jet ski is drenched all over, and he's just got this big old smile on his face. And he comes into the dock, and I was like, dude, I was like, what was that? And he was like, oh, that? You know, he's like, I was just jet skiing. And I was like, what are you, t-? I was like, when you jet ski, it looks way different than when I jet ski. And he was like, I know. He's like, I watched you out the window. That was totally lame. And I was like, I know. I was like, well, you did look like it was a blast. He's like, it was awesome. And I remember I said to him, I said, dude, I said, can you show me how to do that? Can you actually teach me how to do that? And he's like, yeah. He's like, get on the other jet ski. And so I went on the other jet ski. And we went out he actually gave me some pointers. He's like, here's what I want you to do. He's like, I want, you to, I want you to hit the throttle. I want you to get going top speed. Just go in a straight line, go top speed. And then he goes, then when you're at top speed, I want you to take your finger off the throttle. He's like, then I want you to cut the steering wheel as hard as you can and then punch the throttle again. And I was like, I'm gonna do it. And so I did it and I flew off the jet ski and I just like bounced on the water, you know? And it was, but I was so much fun. And I'm just telling you, I went on to have a blast. And this guy taught me all kinds of stuff about how to ride a jet ski. And, and, and let me just tell you that for the rest of that trip, this guy taught a bunch of us how to actually ride a jet ski. And the rest of the trip, those jet skis got zero rest. We all fought over who was going to be on the jet ski next. And the whole ride back up to Akron, we were all talking about, oh my gosh, that jet ski, remember when you fell off? That was awesome. It was a blast and all that kind of stuff. And listen, to think, we almost missed it. I almost went away from that trip thinking that jet skis were lame. But I learned something different because someone taught me something. Now, why in the world am I telling you a story about jet skis in a sermon about prayer? Well, here's why. Because that story reminds me a lot of this passage. It actually reminds me a lot of the passage of Scripture we just read. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, let me, let me show you what I mean. I want you to notice how this passage starts. And this might seem like a small, tiny, insignificant little detail that we can read right past. But I think the whole passage hinges on this. And so I want you to catch this. Look at verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, can you teach us how to pray just as John taught his disciples? Now, again, that might seem like such a small little detail something you would read right past but but here's what I want you to catch all right so so you need to remember that where we are in, in the gospel of luke is we're in chapter 11 which means we're about halfway through the book that means there's a whole bunch of context that has come before this moment If you're not familiar with the Gospel of Luke, if you're not familiar with the Bible at all, let me just kind of give you a snapshot of what's happened so far up to this point. So the Bible tells us that when Jesus began his ministry, that one of the first things he did was he recruited a group of disciples. You guys may have heard that term before, disciples. The word disciples just means learners or students. And so Jesus gathered a little group of disciples. In fact, specifically, there was 12 disciples that were kind of, had a unique access to the life of Jesus. If you guys don't know anything about the disciples, The disciples were relatively ordinary guys. They were young Jewish men. Uh, Most of them were uneducated. A lot of them were fishermen. One of them was a tax collector. Some of them, we don't know what their occupation was, but you just gotta think, these guys were young, ordinary dudes. That's what they were, young Jewish, ordinary dudes. And here's what I want you to catch. When Jesus recruited these guys, even though they were uneducated and even though they were very ordinary guys, they were Jewish young men, which meant that they grew up in a religious background. These guys would have grown up going to church, or then it would have been called the synagogue. They would have grown up with parents who were religious, which means they were familiar with prayer. They probably saw their parents pray. They probably saw religious leaders pray. In fact, it was the Jewish custom to pray three times a day, so they probably prayed. But the Bible says that they started to interact with Jesus. They started to follow Jesus. And when they started following Jesus, that meant that they would have spent every waking moment with him. These guys would have, they would have uh, traveled with Jesus, literally walking hundreds of miles with him. They would have seen Jesus do his ministry. They would have heard him preach sermons. They would have seen him perform miracles. They would have had a, they would have had a unique access and a unique window into the personal life of Jesus Christ. Right? Now, one of the things that they would have seen, the gospel of Luke tells us, is they would have seen the way Jesus prayed. And let me just show you a few instances that Luke tells us as far as the prayer life of Jesus. Let me just show you a few. I'll put them up on the screen. In Luke chapter five, verse 16, it says this. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. The Bible says that Jesus had a custom. He had a habit and he would oftentimes isolate himself, push himself away from the crowds so that he could go be alone and spend time with God in prayer. Bible says sometimes he would go into the wilderness. Sometimes he would go onto a mountaintop. There would be times where Jesus would make a habit to push himself away so that he could be alone. And pray. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, one of those days, Jesus went out into a mountainside to pray and he spent the entire night praying to God. See, the disciples would have seen this. Jesus sometimes would go out onto a mountain and he would spend all night praying to God. This would be something that the disciples would see in Jesus. Check this out, Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. See, Jesus would take them with him sometimes when he would pray. And so, so, so get this. Now we're in Luke chapter 11 and the Bible says the disciples are watching Jesus' prayer life. They're watching how he's doing this. And finally, it's almost like they're fed up. Can you almost hear it? Jesus comes down. It says, it says in Luke chapter 11, verse one, Jesus, one day Jesus was praying just like he always did in a certain place, probably on a mountainside or whatever. And the Bible says when he was done praying, he, come, he comes down and his disciples see him and they're like, Jesus, can you teach us how to do that? Because apparently we're missing something. I mean, we grew up religious and we grew up going to church and our parents prayed and we pray three times a day. But when you pray, it's like there's something different. It's like we're missing, like, like my Florida friend riding the jet. I thought I knew jet skis until I saw you ride one. And they're like, we thought we knew prayer until we saw you pray. And when you pray, it's different. See, my guess is the disciples were probably thinking this. They were probably coming to Jesus and they were saying, Jesus, man, when, when we pray, it's like a religious duty for us. And we got these memorized prayers and we're supposed to pray three times a day. And you know, we do that. We pray before the meal and we, we kind of do the, you know, we pray for safe travels and we pray for protection. We have those prayers. But man, when you pray, it's different, Jesus. See, when you pray, it's almost like you want to. It's like not an obligation for you. It's like a joy for you. And when you pray, it's like, it's like you're praying in a relation. You're praying to your father. We must be doing it wrong. Can you show us? how to pray the way you pray i imagine they thought to themselves jesus when we pray we we have a hard time paying attention it's hard for us to pray for 5 minutes when we pray our stream of consciousness drifts on us and we find ourselves thinking about things that we didn't originally start thinking about when we pray do you guys ever do this i do this sometimes i go to pray I'm like, okay, God, I want to thank you for And then like 10 minutes later, I find myself thinking about the latest episode of Stranger Things that I saw on Netflix, Netflix or whatever. And I'm like, how in the world did I get here? You know? And I'm like, oh, I got to fight to get back over here. And I imagine the disciples are like, when we pray, we have a hard time paying attention. Jesus, when you pray, sometimes you go all night. We struggle for five minutes. Sometimes you pray all night. How does that happen? Jesus, when we pray, when we pray, honestly, sometimes we fall asleep. it's kind of boring to us and and it seems like it's kind of more of a chore and it's kind of monotonous. When you pray, you know, the Bible says that when Jesus prays, sometimes that includes sweat, sometimes blood and sometimes tears. I mean, that is intense. Sometimes agonizing prayer. They're like, you do it different than we do. I imagine they're like, Jesus, we forget to pray we're with there's weeks that go by. Oh, I should have prayed for, Jesus, you make it a habit. You're dependent on this. There are times that you will actually purposefully push your way from the crowd, hide from them so that you go pray. So Jesus, can you teach us how to do what you do? Can you teach us how to pray like you pray? And I love Jesus's response. I want you to notice this because this, I find this response so encouraging and enlightening. Watch what he says. Look at verse two. He said to them, when you pray, say, and now let me just pause there for a minute because before we move on, it's, we're about to jump into what is called the Lord's Prayer, uh, sometimes called the Our Father, very familiar prayer. We're going to look at that here in a second. But before we do, I do not want you to miss verse 2. Because like I said, verse 2, in my opinion, is both very encouraging and it is very enlightening. What do I mean by that? Well, it's encouraging. Why is it encouraging to me? Well, well, I want you to think about it this way, all right? Jesus' disciples have come to him, and they said, Jesus, we must be doing it wrong. Your prayer life looks amazing. Ours looks weird, and, and, and it looks boring and bland, and yours looks unreal. And so can you teach us how to do that? And do you notice what Jesus' response was? Jesus basically says this. He says, Yeah. I could teach you how to do that. I, the son of God, can teach you, ordinary people, how to pray like I pray. And man, I find that really encouraging. Because think about it. What Jesus didn't say was this. The disciples weren't like, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus wasn't like, yeah, here's the thing. I really can't. Because, you know, I'm kind of like the son of God. And you're kind of like, you know, not and so because I'm the son of God and you're not, that means that there's some things that like I can do that you can't do. Like I'm sort of varsity level and you're kind of like JV. And so like, I'm son of God. So I can, I can like walk on water and you're like not the son of God. So you can't, you know, and I can kind of like raise from the dead, which is pretty awesome. And you kind of like can't do that because you're just kind of like a mere person. I can like read people's thoughts, you know, cause I'm like the son of God and you're not. And so, so the disciples come up like, Jesus, can you teach us to pray? And Jesus isn't like, yeah, sorry, nope can't do that. I'm kind of the son of God and you're kind of not. So you'll never be able to pray like I, That's not what he says. It's not what he says. Nor does Jesus say he's not, you know, the disciples don't come to him and they're like, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? He's not like, yeah. So here's the thing. You guys are a bunch of ordinary guys. Most of you are uneducated. So here's the deal. Why don't you go to seminary for five years, get a degree, learn a bunch of abstract theological mumbo jumbo, know how to speak the language and then come back and maybe I can teach you how to pray. It doesn't say that either. Jesus says, Yeah. Yeah, I could teach you to pray. Ordinary group of uneducated, many of them blue collar workers. And he looks at them and he says, I can teach you to pray the same way that the son of God can pray. And I'll just tell you for me personally, I find that real encouraging. You know why? Because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed and I need all the help I can get. And I'm just saying, if Jesus is telling the disciples, you can have the same level of intimacy and the same level of power and the same level of connectedness with God that I do, And that gives me some hope. That gives me some hope that maybe Jesus can teach me to pray as well. So I find it encouraging, but I also find it really enlightening. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's why it's enlightening. Uh, Because what Jesus has just said here is Jesus just said to his disciples, I can teach you to pray. In other words, his disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, can you show us how to do this? And Jesus' response was not, yeah, no, no, I can't show you because there's nothing to learn. You know, prayer is just talking to God, and there's no wrong way to do it. And so the way I do it is what works for me, and there's a, probably a way that works for you, and you just find out how it works for you. And so, so it's not something I can teach you. It's just something you got to – it just comes from you, and so there's nothing to learn. He doesn't say that. Jesus says, no, yeah, there's a way that you can do this. In other words, I put it this way in my notes. Prayer is something that can be taught and learned. Prayer can be taught, and prayer can be learned. Which means this, which means this, and this is why this is so enlightening, because what that means is it is possible to do this right, and it is possible to do this wrong. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, some of you might even remember, Jesus said when he was teaching his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, do not pray like this. See, Jesus says there are wrong ways to do this. There are wrong ways to pray. But here in Luke chapter 11, he says, when you pray, do it like this. And so that's why it's totally possible that maybe you grew up in the church, maybe you've grown up praying, and it's possible that maybe, just maybe, we've been missing something. Maybe, just maybe, we've been doing it wrong. And so Jesus says, I can teach you how to pray. And then he launches into, uh, like I said, which is famously sometimes called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father Let's take a look at it together, starting in verse two. So Jesus said to them, I can teach you to pray. Yep. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, this prayer is probably the most famous prayer in the entire Bible. It's probably also the most memorized prayer in the entire Bible. In fact, my guess is if you're anything like me, Uh, you may have grown up in a tradition where you memorized the Our Father or you memorized the Lord's Prayer. And by the way, if you grew up in a tradition like me, my guess is that the way that you memorized it is probably slightly different than this version. Is that right? This version seems a little bit different than the version you know. Why is that? Well, the reason is actually because uh, there are actually two versions of the Lord's Prayer that are found in the New Testament. One is here in the Gospel of Luke and the other one is found in the Gospel of Matthew. Let me just show you real quick Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is Jesus teaching his disciples to pray here, and this is it. Matthew, 9, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, my guess is, if you grew up memorizing this prayer, this probably sounds a little more familiar to you. Maybe some of the words are a little different, but it probably sounds familiar to you. Now, now just as a quick aside, if you grew up memorizing this prayer, my guess is there's probably an ending to that prayer that's missing from this, right? And that, that ending is, for thine be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Amen. And some of you might be asking, well, where did that come from? Well, actually, that's not in either version of the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. You won't find that there. That was actually a later edition that was put in by the early church fathers. It actually comes from the Old Testament book of Chronicles, so it's a biblical thing to pray. It's not a wrong thing to pray. It's just not part of the original Lord's Prayer. So if you're curious about that, that's just a little kind of FAQ about how that kind of got in there but here's what i want you to notice okay so luke 11 and matthew uh matthew chapter six is where we have two versions of the lord's prayer and you will notice when you compare both of them that there are a lot of similarities but there also are some differences and i believe that the similarities and differences actually communicate something to us so let me show you what i'm talking about i uh, i made this this chart for us uh, just as a quick way to see this and, and and so what you'll see is that you have the book of matthew and you have the book of luke the Lord's Prayer that's recorded there, and it just kind of compares them side by side. Now, the reason I, I'm showing this to you is because I want you to notice the similarities and I want you to notice the differences. And like I said, I think that the differences and the similarities communicate something to us. What do I mean? Well, let me just start with the differences, all right? One of the things you'll notice, just to face value, is that there is a difference in the wording. So, so first off, you'll notice Matthew says, our Father in heaven. Luke simply says, Father. You'll notice in Matthew's prayer, he says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luke's version, he just says, your kingdom come. And so it almost appears at first glance that Luke's version is the more condensed, kind of abridged version, and Matthew's version is the more extended version. There's, other, there's one other key difference between these two versions of prayer, by the way, uh, that it, you won't notice on this chart, but I'll explain it to us. There's a difference in context. And so here's what I mean by that. In Luke, when Jesus gives the Lord's prayer in Luke chapter 11, the context is which the disciples have come to Jesus and they said, Can you teach us to pray? And Jesus goes on and teaches them. We just looked at that. But in Matthew, it's a totally different context. In Matthew, uh, Jesus' teaching on prayer happens in the middle of a sermon that he's giving called the Sermon on the Mount, which is his most famous sermon given in the entire Bible. Now, why is that important? Well, here's why it's important because Matthew and Luke record for us two different occasions where Jesus is teaching the Lord's prayer. These are two different places altogether that he's teaching these things. Now, what does that tell us? Why are these differences important? Here's why that's important. The differences communicate to us that this prayer was never intended to simply be a memorized, mindless mantra. This prayer was never, ever intended to simply be wording that we memorize and that we just mindlessly repeat like a mantra, like we this memorized, mindless mantra. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be in the kingdom. My heart is not engaged. My mind is not engaged. My affections are not engaged. My attention is not engaged. And I think the fact that there are differences here shows us that Jesus is not as concerned about us getting the wording right. It's more about us getting the heart right. In fact, I know that. And I know that not just because of what this shows us, but because of what Matthew 6 says. Do you guys know in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, when you pray, don't go on mindlessly repeating yourself like the pagans do. And yet, isn't it interesting that what has happened really is for some of us, the way that we've kind of maybe been taught this prayer is exactly that way. It becomes a mindless memorized mantra. Now, am I saying we shouldn't memorize this? No, I think you should memorize it. What I am saying is I, don't, I think that Jesus is saying this is never intended just to be something that you put on autopilot. This was never intended to be a good luck charm. Oh, man, you know, I, I better pray real quick before the big test. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, the will be done. Okay, you know, oh God, I'm gonna go out on this big date, and I, I hope she likes me. Let's pray real quick. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And my heart's not engaged. My, my mind is not engaged. My affections are not engaged. I'm just doing it because it's like a good luck charm to me so I can get in the good graces of God. And I think what Jesus is saying is none of prayer prayers never intended to be this way. So the differences show us that. But, but I also want you to notice these prayers are also very, very, very similar. And so you'll notice they follow the exact same thematic flow. They follow the exact same logical progression, don't they? They both start with Father. They both have five petitions. Your kingdom come, give us daily bread, forgive us, lead us not into temptation. Now, why, why is that important? Here's why that's important. Because what it tells us is that while Jesus is not giving us just a mindless, memorized mantra, What he is giving us is he's giving us a model. He's saying there is a right way to pray. And this is what it looks like. It's a model to be followed. You'll notice there are headings. There there are key um, phrases that Jesus puts in a certain order for a certain reason. And you notice what it is, don't you? Jesus says, when you pray, here's how I want you to pray. Father, start here, address God as father. That's the beginning place. Then he goes on, he says the next part, he's like, I want you to set your mind, set your heart, set your attention, set your affections on this. God is my father. He's like, and then I want you to move on. I want you to pray, hallowed be your name. Your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Give us bread, give us our daily bread. Leave us not into, do you notice the flow? Here's the flow in a nutshell. Father, you, 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 us, us, us. You see that? Here's the flow. Father, your name be hallowed. Your kingdom. Your will. Father, you, you, you. Give us bread. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. You uh, see, what Jesus is saying is, "This is the way you pray." But for many of us, the way we pray is like this: God, me, me, me. And then we're like, "Didn't work." And Jesus is like, "You're doing it wrong." Father, you, you, set your heart, set your mind, set your attention. There's something in this that Jesus is trying to teach us. He's trying to show us how to pray. Now, let let me just tell you, here's what we're gonna be doing for the next several weeks. This is just an introduction. And so my hope is through this series that by God's grace, that Jesus can teach us how to pray. And so each week, what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna focus on each key phrase. And so for the next several weeks, next week, we're gonna start, we're gonna look at our Father who art in heaven. And we're just gonna unpack that. What does that mean? What is it? why Why is that the starting place of prayer? Why does Jesus say, start here? We want to talk about that next week. The week after that, we want to talk about hallowed be your name. What in the world does that mean? What does hallowed mean? How do you hollow a name? And and let's figure that out. Let's talk about biblically speaking. What does that mean? Give us this day our day. We're going to go through each phrase and unpack that. And and by God's grace, my prayer is that we can learn to pray in the same way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. I think that God was gracious to give us uh, the Lord's prayer. Because in so doing, he's giving us a model that we can learn to pray, that we can build our prayer off of. It's not some mindless mantra that we just repeat. It's it's a model that he's given us. I love the way that Charles Spurgeon put it. Charles Spurgeon is a great 18th century preacher in England. This is the way he said it. I love this. He said, it seems to me that Christ gave this prayer as a model whereby we are to fashion our prayers. I have seen an architect form a model of a building that he intends to erect of plaster or wood, but I have never had an idea that it was intended for me to live in. I've seen an artist trace on a piece of brown paper perhaps a design which he intended, to, uh, which he intended the design to be the thing, or uh, afterwards, to work out on more costly stuff, but I never imagined the design to be the thing itself. The prayer of Christ is a great chart, as it were, but I can't cross the sea on a chart. It's a map. But a man is not a traveler because he puts his finger across the map. And so a man may use this form of prayer and yet be a total stranger to the great design of Christ and teaching it to his disciples. And I love what Spurgeon is saying. He's saying, listen, this prayer is a model. He's like, I have seen architects build models of something, but no one presumes that they're going to pack their bags and move into the model. Why? Because the model is just the template in which you build the real thing off of right? He's like, I have seen designers sit down and draw things on pieces of paper, but that's not the thing itself. That, that just serves as a road map to help you actually build the real thing. He says, just because you have a globe and you put your finger on China, it doesn't mean you're in China. It's just, it's just simply a map to help you understand the real thing. And I think that is exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am providing for you a model in which you can build a vibrant prayer life off of. And so as we go into the series together, that's what we're gonna do together. Hopefully learn from the, the, the model and the pattern that Jesus has given us to teach us to pray i ask the band to come up. And as they do, um, I just wanna, I wanna close today's time out with a couple very, very, very practical challenges for the next several weeks. Like I said, today's an introduction. And so hopefully this whets your appetite a little bit more as we jump into things. But as we go through this series, there are a couple very practical challenges that I wanna give to everybody. Okay, so first off, let me just say that if you're a person investigating Jesus, and so if you are not a Christ follower, or maybe you're trying to figure out what you believe about God or about Jesus, you might be tempted to say, well, this is a series about prayer, and I don't even know if I believe in God, so this doesn't apply to me at all. And I would actually encourage you to lock in for the rest of this series for this reason. You're going to find that the Lord's Prayer is not actually just about prayer. It's about much more than that. It is about the heart of God. It is about the nature of, of God. It, is a, it really is about the, the core foundation of what Christianity is all about is found in this prayer. And so if you're investigating Christianity and you're trying to figure out what it's all about, I would actually, I think you came at a great time and I would encourage you to, to, to join us for the rest of this series and hear it all the way through, because I believe in, in so doing, you'll learn a lot about what Christianity is really all about, what the heart of all of this is about. And then at the end of the series, if you have more questions or you have more thoughts, or even if you have points of disagreement, we are open to talking about that. All right. here's my second challenge. And this is for anyone who wants to take me up on this, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Uh, we've created some resources in association with this series. One of them is this prayer journal. Uh, this prayer journal is a 40-day prayer journal uh, that we have developed specifically to work in conjunction with this series. Uh, this is available at, our, uh, out at the Welcome Center for five bucks. That five bucks, by the way, we don't make a dime off of that. That's just to cover the cost of what it was to make these. But let me explain sort of how this is laid out. Uh, basically this is six weeks or it's 40 days and each week you will go through the lord's prayer and so day one is father our father uh, day two is Hallowed be your name day three is your kingdom come Your will be done each day there are um, some key verses that go along with that uh, with that uh, particular topic there are some questions and there's an entire page that's dedicated for you to write your prayers out And so our hope is that through this series uh, that you will be able to engage in the Lord's Prayer and and that this is a pattern that you can familiarize yourself with. This book will be a helpful way uh, for you to do that. The reason we picked 40 days was because experts say it it takes between 20 and 60 days to develop a habit. And so he said, man, this is something, a habit that we would love for uh, the people of our church to, to kind of get um, ingrained in. The other thing you'll notice is that each week there's a place for sermon notes. And uh, and so if you have uh, some some thoughts that way, this can be kind of a one-stop shop for you for the uh, remainder of this series. So I would encourage you, if you want to, engage in something like this. You don't have to. You can pray the Lord's Prayer however you, you want to do that. If there's a different way, that's totally fine. But this is just a resource that's available for you. Okay, one more quick challenge, and then—, and then uh, We'll we'll pray and be done. But um, I just need to to kind of uh, preface this. This is a challenge that for some of you, I'm just gonna tell you, it's gonna make you feel kind of awkward. And for some of you, you might even be kind of mad at me for saying this, but it's worth saying it. So I'm going to anyway. So fair warning, all right? Here's my challenge. If you are a married couple that goes to to our campus here regularly and follows Jesus, all right? I wanna issue a very special challenge to you that somehow through this series, some way, and and you could talk about this, that you would find a way to regularly pray with your spouse. I want to challenge you to do that. Find a way to regularly, daily, I don't know, weekly, something, regularly pray together out loud with with your spouse. Now, I know, like I said, when I say that, for some of you, there's immediate resistance. You're like, nope, not doing that. That ain't happening. And some of you, like I said, some of you are mad at me for saying that because you're like, dude, now that you said that, she's going to expect me to do that. And I don't want to do that. And that's awkward to pray out loud with my spouse. Or maybe you're thinking, now that you said that, my husband's going to want me to do that. And, and don't you know, that's, this is his thing. This isn't my thing. It's, isn't it enough that I'm already at church? That's awkward enough for me already. Now you want me to pray together, right? And, and like, I understand that for some of you, there's some resistance. And for some of you, you're like, I'm mad at you for even saying that and it immediately makes you feel awkward. And, and there's all that. And listen, listen, I, I, I understand that. I, I really do. And I want you to hear me that I'm not saying this to try to push a guilt trip on you. That's not why I'm saying this at all. And I'm not saying this either because I'm a person that has this all together, I'll just confess to you right now that my wife and I have never had a consistent prayer, uh, kind of prayer habit in our marriage. We never have. We've always struggled in this area. And so I need this just as much as you do. I need this challenge just as much as you do. And so please don't hear it that way. This isn't a guilt trip. It's none of those things. Here's why this is so important to me and to us as a campus. What you guys might not know is that as your pastor and as, as as your staff here at Grace Church, one of the things we want, we desperately want for you, is we want you to have a strong relationship with Jesus, and we want you to have a strong marriage relationship. We so desperately desire that. You know, we pray that for you. We pray for the marriages in this campus, and we pray that all the time. And if you're a married couple right now that is struggling, I want you to know you're not alone. There are so many couples who are struggling and that find themselves in place in times of struggle, And listen, the reason that I'm asking you to maybe find a regular time to pray during this series is because we deeply care for you. I ran across this statistic this past week and it just floored me. I just thought I'd share it with you. I'm not, you know, you know statistics. I don't know how reliable they are, but I thought this was really fascinating. There was a study that was done about uh, three or four years ago and it found that um, only 8% of Christian couples that are married pray together. 8%, 8%, which means 92% of couples that are Christians just don't pray together. So, so if you're in that category, you're part of the majority, right? Most of us don't pray together. But listen, here's the crazy thing. And, and just, to, just to legitimize what I'm saying, this isn't even a Christian statistic. This comes from Dr. Phil, all right? So check this out. Dr. Phil writes in his book, Relational Rescue, he says divorce in America is at a minimum of one out of two marriages, a 50% divorce rate, at least but the reported divorce rate among couples that pray together, listen to this, is about one in 10,000. That's just stupid. That's out of control. And then look at this. Pretty impressive statistic. Well, yeah, I think so. Even if you reduce it by a thousand fold. Oh, my goodness, when I read that, you know what it did in my heart? It reaffirmed something. I remember thinking to myself, I can't afford not to do this. And listen, please hear me. I, I don't, I'm not saying that prayer is a magic bullet. If your marriage is in trouble, you just pray together, and that's gonna solve. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think that's the heart of prayer. I don't think that's the meaning of prayer. However, I think what this reveals to us is that there is something that God wants for us in prayer we might be missing. There is a level of God's power. There is a conduit and a resource of, of, of intimacy that is available to us that God wants for us and he doesn't want us to miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And so as we go through the series together, I would encourage you in one way or the other to engage in prayer as we come to God in these ways. One last thing, and, and then we're done. If you have anything that you, Sarah Beth mentioned this earlier, if you have anything you're going through that we can pray with you about, anything. Uh, we, one of the things we're doing in the series is we're, we're creating an opportunity for you to, to be prayed for right here on the spot. And so at, during this, at the end of this service, there's gonna be a group of people that are in this back corner and if you're going through something, I mean, anything, loss of a job, struggling in something, you know, health issue, and you want, you want prayer, man, go pray. That's what it's available for. And, and we want you to, to get a chance to do that. So there'll be some people in the corner um, and you can meet them after the service and, and they'll pray with you right there on the spot. We'd love to do it. Let's pray together. Well, God, I, I uh, just want to say thank you that you didn't leave us in the dark on this topic that you actually gave us the resources that we need to learn to do this, to pray. And God, it's my, it's mind blowing to me that the creator of the universe has given us an opportunity and permission to speak with you. God, that is out of control. That is, that is unbelievable that you have invited us into a level of intimacy where we can call the creator of the universe, our father so, Lord, I, I just want to ask you, I want to pray on behalf of our entire church, God, that through this series, that you, would, that you would do exactly what you did with the disciples, that you would teach us to pray. Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Would you show us your heart? Would you, would you help us not miss out on the beautiful thing that you've designed for us, the beautiful opportunity that you've given us in prayer? And Father, I ask you that, that uh, even as we go from this place, That we wouldn't walk out with a, you know, we wouldn't feel like there's some guilt trip or some sense of dutiful obligation that's motivating this. But God, I pray that we genuinely would have a hunger and a desire to meet with you. A hunger and a desire to, to develop a deeper intimacy with you. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us, God. Guide us and lead us through this whole series. Would you open our eyes and would you teach us what you would have for us? And we want to ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.